Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Well, looks like Gypsy came through, I guess. Um, wait. This is a breakup cube. I thought things were going so well with you and Gypsy. That makes two of us. Roland, that's not a breakup cube. You should open that when you're alone. No, no, no. If she's going to break up with me, I want to hear why. No, Ramon, I will. Okay. Somebody told me you've been a very naughty boy this year. Why don't you come over and jingle my bells, huh? Sweet baby Jesus. You jingle told my you. Bells, not a breakup cube. And I promise it's not going to be a silent night. <sighs> Joe, do you mind if I... Take that to your house. Yeah. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 86 of the DC Primetime Podcast. From the showcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And I know we do this a lot, but I'm apologizing ahead of time if I seem a little out of it. Uh, I am still recovering from surgery this past Friday, and while the pain has subsided, the meds, uh, not so much. So, although I'm not really on too many... Medi- medications right now due to the surgery so i just should painkillers uh, just lots of painkillers <laughs> yeah painkillers but uh, we'll see and even those i'm trying not to do uh as much but you know how it is every once in a while you just gotta bite the bullet and take one um, well hopefully they were very useful for one of the episodes we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about <laughs> yeah, maybe God. that's why you're maybe that's why your score is a little bit better because you were under the influence so <laughs> of, of a painkiller because you needed a painkiller to watch that episode uh no i'm still a little <laughs> i'm still a little groggy i didn't know what my scheduling was going to be like in order of watching these episodes so i tried to watch at least supergirl flash and legends right after they aired uh so it almost seems like it's been a while since i watched them uh so if i tend to forget some facts i apologize for that but arrow i did watch more recently and um i'm regretting the decision <laughs> i wish i would have watched it when it aired so i could have forgotten about it but if that gives you any clue as to where we stand with the rankings on that one. Yeah, um, not good. Not good. <laughs> no, but this is, of course, the midseason finale week for all of these shows, Supergirl, Legends, Flash, and Arrow. Uh, until now, they're on break until mid-January, in which some news has broken recently as to the scheduling change when they do come back in January. And... um some people may not be happy about the scheduling change. Rob, you and I are actually kind of okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it works out better for us. Easier, but shortens our summer. So, uh, Yeah, which uh, I'm okay with. Less filler in the summer, which I'm fine with. And uh, we don't have to worry about squeezing in five shows at any point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we'll get to that when we talk about the news a little bit later on. First, let's go through and give the shows this week uh, a ranking. Of course, Sidekick Hero or Legend. Starting off first with Supergirl, Season 3, Episode 9. 
Uh, Rob, we'll start with you. Sidekick, hero, or legend? This was one I was really torn on and had to really think heavily about on where I stood. And the more and more and more I thought about it, where it was at a hero, something massive, and I mean massive, happened by the end of that episode. That was like, this gets a legend. And we'll get into that. But I'm sure if you watch the last 10 minutes alone, you understand why this got a legend. So, uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you. The, the last 10 minutes are what really sold me on this episode. It was a hero up until that point, but uh, and I've been toying with this one too. The ending was phenomenal and very reminiscent about uh, particular things from Superman lore, which I kind of really enjoyed. So uh, I'm going legend for Supergirl as well. Uh, next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 9. Uh, sidekick, hero, or legend on this one? Man, that was such a good episode. Um, that definitely gets a legend. Uh, the start of the trial of The Flash. How awesome was that setup? It, I'm so excited to talk about this one. So uh, Yeah, me too. Uh, a couple things in particular I'm really excited about talking about. I'm legend as well. Uh, if only for the fact that this episode had one line that no lie floored me yeah um, no, that broke me too it's okay <laughs> i i i cracked up during one particular line and you've already heard it it's the line of the week at the beginning of this week's episode i couldn't think of anything else to use that was even better than that line um again we'll talk about it as we break the episode down but my god i had tears streaming down my face i was laughing so damn hard uh, next up, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 9. I'll start this one off, and this one's getting a legend. Uh, very fitting for Legends of Tomorrow. This was a great finale, a uh, great mid-season finale. I loved some of the team-ups that happened, and unfortunately, losing another member of the Legends, which uh, looks more to be uh, more permanent than temporary. So, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens when the show returns. <laughs> um, returns in February. I think is when it's coming back. Yep, I have the date, and we'll talk about that in news. So okay, uh, and oh god. Um, well, here uh, I didn't get mine yet for that one. So oh, sorry, that's right. <laughs> okay. I'm so used to I'm so used to going second. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, you know what, legends? Yeah, I'm right there with you, and uh, it gets a legend just because of Bebo alone. <laughs> so um, I gotta say though, anytime Bebo said anything in that whole sequence of all this seriousness, it was impossible not to laugh my ass off. Um, but yeah, no, that was such a great midseason finale and yeah, big shakeup on the team and, uh, didn't see that one really coming full force kind of did, but really kind of was hoping it wouldn't happen, but man, uh, I'm excited for when that show comes back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and last, but, uh, certainly least, um, Arrow season six, episode nine. I think we're both in agreement on this one. Um, but I'll let you say it. Man, I really hate to say this. Really hate to say this. This is getting a sidekick. Um, I, oh, man, <laughs> uh, we'll save it for when we get into it. But this was this was not a good midseason finale, especially compared to what it was up against for the rest of the shows this week. Man, this was bad. This was really bad. All yeah, right. uh, and no, I'm I'm right there with you. And like, I I, I almost have remorse giving this a. Uh, giving this a, a sidekick, um, you know, it, it was just a, um, it was just a couple weeks ago that I had the opportunity to be on stage with these people, you know, with uh, you know, with Stephen Amell and and Emily and David and Juliana and Rick and like, and like they're such great people and you want them to do well on this show and it's like, all right, I had such a great experience with you on stage and now you're giving me this crap. 
like I, I, I do. I kind of have remorse, and it kind of sucks. But um, yeah, it's a sidekick. It was not that good of a midseason finale. No. Um, I know some people, some of our listeners, especially uh, like Anne and some of those who are arid, uh, avid Arrow fans might disagree. And if you do, please, when we go into the breakdowns, please let us know what your thoughts were too. But yeah, just not thrilled with this midseason finale. Uh, yeah, and it's it's we'll we'll really dive into it, but there was a lot of reasons why this was this did not work, and I, I really hurt to give this that low of a score. But midseason finales are meant to keep you in the mix and make you want to move forward, and this made me not to want to continue the show. Um, there's a lot to just not enjoy. So, all right. yeah. So, the- Supergirl. Yeah, let's go back and hit Supergirl season three, episode nine, titled "Rain." Uh, Supergirl traces the origins of a mysterious symbol to an ancient prophecy and the mark of the world killer rain. Uh, So biggest thing that happened with the exception of the last 10 minutes, which we'll save until the end. But we get to see Samantha, a.k.a. Rain, in costume. And she's doing it, it seems like what she's doing is for the good of the world. But again, it's one of those misunderstood villains where they're doing what they believe to be right but for the entire but the entirely wrong way. Mm-hmm. So, and it seems to me, correct me if if you disagree, but that, that's what it seems like they're they're forming rain to be. Um is that kind of misunderstood villain. It it I don't know. Uh my viewpoint on her is kind of all over the place because it, it seems like, you know, they keep saying, you know, we get the return of Chad Lowe this week uh real quick in the prison yeah. cell as he kind of gives this prophecy a row that was kind of tossed away that we learn about from Car's mother like this these mythologies and we basically find out that she's basically there to kind of sort pretty much destroy the world um but she's start she's starting it is kind of like an like you know an anti-hero is the best way i can she seems like she's coming off um but i have a feeling that's gonna change i think this was more or less a get the attention of supergirl kind of thing uh because i don't think she's She's really doing this for positive, positive reasonings. When you, when all you hear about is the world killer, the world killer, the end of times. This is you know, I, I can't imagine this is going to end in a positive light. Or she is a, she's doing this for positive reasons. I think this is just kind of edging people in. If you like Samantha's character, um, where it's not like this hard, like oh, okay, well she killed bad guys, so she's kind of a just she's just an antihero. And then by the end of it, like, oh, no, she's very much not. <laughs> so um, it's it's interesting to try to break down how she functions. But uh, well done. Well done. So, Well, I think what confuses me a little bit and what maybe gave me my, that point of view to me is the fact that <clears throat> last week when they had her in her own kind of Fortress of Solitude out in the desert, the desert version of Fortress of Solitude, and they were explaining to her – her purpose, it almost seemed like they were trying to explain to her that you are doing this for the good of this world. So while her motives, or while the reasoning while she's doing it, they're calling her the world killer, and that's her purpose, is to destroy the world. I think it's, I think her motives to her alone, her personal motives, she believes what she's doing is right because that's what they've convinced her of. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, I'm there with you. So it's kind of the sympathetic villain angle. Um, and it's sympathetic because it's we kind of already got that fact that when she's Rain, when she's Samantha, she has no recollection of any of this happening. So you do feel for her. I think this was a really well-created 
um, angle for this. It's very similar to how Caitlyn is on Flash right now, Killer Frost. Um, so, but it, instead, you have this hardcore extreme version of this, uh, and yeah. it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I think I, I'm as you explained that, I think that makes more sense. So. Yeah, I, I and I do still think Ruby is going to play a big part of this at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping it's not um, uh, the the point where something is going to happen to Ruby, uh, because that then forget it. Samantha's lost at that point if anything happens to Ruby. If, uh, but I think it's going to she, Ruby's going to play a part towards the end of this season in bringing Samantha back from the break if that makes any sense. The big guns, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 exactly. The Justice League big guns. I think that's exactly what's going to play out. Um, but let's go back to the beginning of the episode. I loved the whole, uh, the group spending Christmas together uh, at Kara's house. The fact that they kept playing the same song over and over again and their reactions to it, I loved. And I also loved... Um, Marin's reaction to hot chocolate. Yes, uh, it's like this brown water is so much better than the other one you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> and all I can think of is after that is like I want cocoa. <laughs> so, uh, me too. That was the weirdest part. Um, I was, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think I love that angle, and it, it was great to see Alex kind of back to being Alex. Uh, we got to see her in very much in that role. Like you saw her kind of shake off all the Maggie stuff. It's kind of like, oh, it's a little weird without her in Christmas, but it's okay. We have to move on. And they make the joke that we're just going to end up being old crones together. You know, it's, uh, you know, but I, I will say that one of the reasons that I had to kind of start pushing this towards legend was the dynamic and watching Kara and Elle was pretty hard, actually very well written and very heartbreaking to watch. Uh, you really kind of felt for Kara through the whole mix. And especially, you know, as we're, kind of learning a little bit more about Saturn Girl and how this plays out. Uh, it's got a very good heart. We found out that she became a hero, and the first time we get to hear the Legion of Superheroes names dropped. Um, yes! Which was a huge thing. It was massive to hear that. But one of the other key things about this is we found out that Saturn Girl is doing what she did because of the history about Kara. I thought that was really cool, and it kind of makes a little bit more sense why mon starts going that way. But we found out he spent years and years and years being alone before he even really opened up to people. And he's the one that created the Legion. I love the fact that they, that he was the founding member and was the one that brought all these people together. So, um, you know, we started seeing that heroic change in him in the end of season two to know that he kind of took that with him when he was in the future it was kind of a cool, cool story. I mean, it's a, I, sh- I wish we would have gotten to see it versus them just telling us about it. But um, it was still a cool twist to Monel's character. Well, I still think, <clears throat> excuse me, I still think there's a chance that we could possibly still see it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're going to see, I'm hoping that when the show returns that we're going to see some of those, especially when they start focusing more on the Monel story and um, the Saturn Girl story. I hope that we actually do get to see some flash flashes into the future and we get to see the creation of the Legion. Not only the creation of the Legion, but we're going to get introduced to more of those characters in the Legion as well. Yeah. So these will be characters that they'll give their backstory and then we'll find out that these characters they're introducing us to in the flash forward are also the people that are that are still in asleep in the ship. We will eventually get Um, now the question is when all of this story wraps up and this season wraps up, does the Legion go back home, including Mon-El? I think what we're going to see is that's going to be the case. And I think they're going to have a couple of friends go with them. I think you're going to see Kara. 
Martian Manhunter, and Alex. Maybe win as well. Uh, I'll head to Legion time. Because we did get a nod that major things are happening and massive atrocities are happening in that future. And we know from comic book lore, Kara spent some time with the Legion. So is that a possibility? I do think that is a high possibility that could happen. That could be uh, fun if that so actually that, happens. Because could you imagine if that's what next season is? <laughs> oh, it's, it all takes place in the future? Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be such a great call to do for the show. Shake up the formula. Um, and then we get to deal with a Legion. If the show is basically a Legion of Superheroes show with Supergirl. Yeah. Um, and you bring over the right characters from the show, your core characters, and bring them into that mix, and um, just completely change the formula. Why not? It's it's even if you only do it for a couple episodes, kind of like when we got to see Earth Two in the Flash. I would love to see that for just a small episode arc. I think that would be such a cool way to finish this up. Yeah, I think that would be great too. Uh, one of the other things that we got this episode was something that I kind of predicted a little while ago is we're starting to see another relationship bud between two characters. Yeah, you and me were both hoping for this, and I was really happy to see that move forward. I am too. I was actually really excited that we're getting to see uh, James and Lena uh, as an as an item. It was kind of very very strongly hinted at in the beginning of this episode at the Christmas party, and then we finally do see the two of them hook up towards the end. And I think a lot of that has to do with the protection angle, too, that they went with. Because Now, help me figure this out, because this was one of the things about the episode that was really confusing. We knew that Rain was out there and Rain was attacking. Did Morgan Edge use this to his advantage and send people out, making it seem like it was Rain, or were these followers of Rain? No, that was Morgan Edge. That was okay. definitely Morgan Edge. That was possible. He even kind of makes that sly comment. He's like, "Oh, I heard you were. Uh, I heard you were attacked." It was kind of that was because he even said, "Hey, if it's me, I'm gonna. It's gonna be. You're gonna know it's me." Um, and that was definitely a Morgan Edge thing. Like we we do know that had nothing to do with Rain because even Rain hasn't made herself really known yet. It was just that symbol that was showing up, that symbol of Rao showing up everywhere across uh, National City. Yeah. So um, that whole whole sequence definitely felt like a Morgan Edge. Um, maybe the start of Intergang showing up, him him pulling some strings with assassins. Um, I really, really hope that Intergang kind of gets into the mix in this soon with this Morgan Edge storyline. Um, because I am starting to like him a bit as a, as a background villain. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am too. And, and Adrian is a great actor too. He's a, you know, we remember him from Heroes. So this is not a new role for him. Although he was a hero in in heroes mm-hmm. uh now he's playing the villain and he really is almost like a lex luther-esque type of villain for the show which i think we we had maxwell lord back in season one and then we didn't got nothing of him in season two so uh now we're starting to get that feel from him and i'm okay with it yeah because it, it, he still feels like what I expect of Morgan Edge uh, as a character. I mean, in the Superman lore and the Supergirl lore, there's a lot of characters that are those CEO business types that kind of, you know, pull the strings. Morgan Edge always, like I said, was the the brains behind things like Intergang that helped kind of run giant mafia from behind the scenes. So I think they're they're making him an more not an interesting foil for Kara, but a very interesting foil for Lena. Which works well. I, that's the one thing I think that why this is working correctly. They're making multiple villains for multiple characters, but they're not overdoing it. Uh, unlike another show that we'll talk about. Later. <laughs> I was you <laughs> so, took the words right out of my mouth. Um, and I think <laughs> it works when it's on a smaller scale when you're not 
overcrowding things. And I think this works well because it's not a villain for Kara. She has to intervene, but ultimately this is Lena's big bad. Well, I th- I not only hope that this is Lena's big bad, but I hope this is James's big bad, too. I think that's where it's going, too. We got to see a little hint of Guardian this week. Yeah, I, I was really excited about that when the shield popped up, because I don't know what it is. For some reason, and you know this as well as I do, I've made a complete come around when it comes to Guardian and James being Guardian. I was totally against it when they first started it. And in the, over the course of Season 2, and now, even though we haven't even seen him yet, really, in Season 3, with the exception of the crossover and now this week... Uh, I really came around on James being Guardian because I like where they could potentially go with this character and James being Guardian. And if Max and if uh, Morgan Edge is, in fact, going to bring in Inner Gang and that's what they're going to do with this show and they're going to use Lena and James as kind of like the headers of that storyline, this is a perfect opportunity to develop Guardian even more. And I'm really excited for it. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, and the only thing that did leave a weird taste in my mouth, though, was still that sequence. He pops that shield out. No mention from if Lena caught that or saw what happened. I, I um, don't think she did. Um, and if that um, was what I was led to believe when I watched it was that he, he kind of had the shield folded up before Lena was on her feet again and didn't see it. Right. But it's, it makes you kind of wonder a little bit if she is already in the know on that or has put that, those things together. So, um, so it, it's a wait and see on that. But I, I think that was kind of a, that was like when Clark and Carr in the middle of the street talking about being Superman and Supergirl and, Everybody just kind of disregards it. It's the same way that it's like, oh, she's wearing glasses. She's Kara. Yeah. Uh, there's no way <laughs> yeah. that she can be super cool. So it's it's that little, you know, suspension of disbelief. So I think that's okay here. It, it's, but it's still, I wish they would be a little bit more careful about some of that stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, let's talk about the end oh, of yes. the episode. This Please. is um. Let's this is that. what this is what really bumped this episode from a, not only a from a high hero to a legend in my opinion and it's probably in yours too. Yeah, um, um, and I, I gotta preface this real quick before we get into this. One of the things I think that I've always had an issue with in this show, and I think I know Ben mentioned this, you know, as well, especially in season one. We saw it in season two. The fights in this show never felt like with the amount of force and strength behind these characters, ever felt like they had weight to them. Man, they fixed that. That changed. Like, even in the Superman fight, it was just kind of like, it kind of felt like they were slapping each other really hard. Like, there wasn't that bombastic, holy crap moments to it. And we did see a really good good change with that, again, with the Clark and Kara fight in the end of last season. But this one just was, this was the pinnacle and the height of what I want from action sequences from Supergirl. And I will just let you dive in from here. This is how you end a mid-season finale. Uh, and this is what really had me get, what really gave me high hopes for the rest of these shows. Because we had Supergirl kick it off with the mid-season finale. Ended it on an extremely high note. And then we're left with what we're left with at the end of the week. Um, which really kind of threw a gear into everything because everything following Supergirl was great until the end. Um, but yeah, we got the fight between Supergirl and Rain, and this to me was on a smaller scale, obviously, very reminiscent because we know that Rain is sort of like a doomsday esque character. Uh, this to me was almost a smaller scale version of Superman versus Doomsday. Yeah, it was a little bit of that and a little bit of Superman too. That street fight between Zod and Non and you know, uh, I, oh my God, why can't I remember her name? Ursa. Ursa. Uh, yep. It, it was. It had that feel of both of those climactic 
things that you think of when you think about these big showdown Superman fights. I even got a little bit of a nod to the end of Justice League United um, or Justice League Unlimited. I'm sorry. When you see Darkseid and, and Clark go toe to toe in Metropolis, there was a lot of that. But man, how awesome was it to feel like Rain was a really terrifying villain by the end of that? Because we weren't sure how she was going to come off. And as I'm not a big fan of that mask and all, but man, by the end of it, I could could have cared less. She is going to be such a great villain, and I've been wanting in a Supergirl show a villain that was just the right fit for this series. And man, did they get it. They got yeah. it so right. They got it so incredibly right. And man, they looked like they spent a ton of money on that fight between cars flipping over that didn't look like they were CG. They looked like they were practical effects happening, like with that one flip you see right before <clears throat> that big showdown and those craters in the ground. Everything about this looked beautiful. I think they were too. And what I love about this fight scene as well is I've seen some behind the scenes shot. Uh, shots of this fight scene they went practical effects every opportunity they went a lot of this fight between um between her and odette between um uh melissa and odette a lot of this was green screen there was not a lot of cgi in this fight which i absolutely loved about this fight all practical for the most part practical effects and i think you're right i think the cars flipping was was part of it i don't think that was cgi um, so I loved the fact that this fight was so intense and again, very reminiscent of Superman versus Doomsday, even down to the end with Kara lying on the sidewalk, pretty much like half beaten and near death. Uh, you know, if we remember the death of Superman, that was the final shot mm-hmm. uh, before Superman died was yeah. him lying on the sidewalk with everybody surrounding him. Yeah, just laying in the crater and man, um, well done, really yeah. well done. Um, I really actually, when we wrap this up, I just want to go back to that fight. Because one of the things I really thought was great in the way that they got the weight of some of those punches across, that first person shot where you're seeing like from Brain's perspective or Supergirl's perspective of the punches just coming in, that vicious look on them. And they got that sound. That sound though, that carries the weight of those punches was finally right. It's the one thing that's always bothered me, but they definitely got that exactly where it needed to be and what it needed to be. So I'm really, really happy that they feel like they finally mastered all of this. There was never a moment that I'm like, that looked cheesy. This looked poorly executed. That was such a well-done fight sequence for not just Supergirl, but the Arrowverse shows, Um, especially for these heavy hitter-style characters. They really did an awesome job here. They made Rain a a wonderful villain. You have a massive shakeup and a cliffhanger now because they did state Hart is in a coma if you watched the promo. Uh, for the next episode after we come out of Christmas. So it was a really good, solid game changer here. And great part about it is Rain hasn't been unveiled yet, which was awesome. Um, So it's a a big wait and see. My guess, maybe that mask is lead-lined. So we'll wait and see. (laughs) So, Well, here's my question about that now, too, is the very end of the episode is Rui... Uh, facing her mom and her mom, you know, Samantha facing the window and she all of a sudden turns, but we don't see her face. Do we think that when we return, we're going to see a more doomsday-esque look to Rin rather than just... Because why would they do that with the face uh, if they weren't going to reveal that her face has changed? Um, That's my, my thought process too. That was my expectations. Are they about to make her look more like the classic Rain where she's going to start going through physical manifestation changes um, where maybe the skin starts to gray out. You know, right now, like a lot of the bone spurry kind of things like Doomsday, it did have some, 
Um, but the question is, is some of that stuff going to start showing up? But I think that was a nice little cliffhanger to show, hey, we are going to maybe take this a little bit more than you expect. But even if they don't, maybe it's just this dead look or maybe it's just her beaten up a little bit uh, that, that shakes Ruby. So even if they go on the small scale, I think I'm regardless, I'm fine. I think the way that they're doing rain right now still works perfectly fine. Even if they don't take it in that direction in full, it, it's a big wait and see. And I'm going to be happy with it regardless, I think, at this point. But this is a great way to uh, this is a great setup to that villain. And uh, I feel like Supergirl finally fixed its biggest problem. Uh, we know our big bad. They really made sure we know exactly where this is going for the rest of the season, which we can't say the same thing about season one or two. Um, <laughs> and um, man, if they if they get this right, um, Supergirl's fixing all the problems I have with it. So, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's move on then next to The Flash, mid-season finale, season four, episode nine, titled Don't Run. Uh, Amunet kidnaps Caitlin and forces her to perform a tricky metal medical task, and the thinker traps The Flash in the speedster-proof prison, uh, in a speedster-proof prison. So a lot of stuff happening in this episode. Uh, we're seeing We're seeing more development of The Thinker, and we're getting a little bit more of the ulterior motive that he has as to why he's doing what he does, because it does play out. I still don't think we have an understanding as to why he's targeting Barry in all of this, uh, but uh, we did know that I think it's safe to say that the creation of these metahumans uh, was pretty much for this purpose. Uh, he was looking for a new body because his body is deteriorating. Uh, and he does find it. In fact, he finds it in the form of Dominic Lance, uh, who has the ability to pretty much read minds. Yeah, brainstorm. Is... Uh, so now the question is, is DeVoe's mind in some, inside the head of somebody that can already read minds now, too, and that's still active? How terrifying is DeVoe now? That's... Dude, I thought the same thing. At the end of the episode, I thought about the, what you had said before. And I know we're kind of jumping to the end with this, too, but uh, this is the main point of the episode. Is We talked about this either a week or two, two weeks ago, because last week was a crossover, so it was two weeks. Uh, we talked about, and you brought it up, how much of a terrifying villain that they're, they're actually making the thinker to be. And after this week, after everything with him transporting his mind to another person and his body dying off and what they use it for at the very end of the episode, I thought to myself, I'm like, holy shit, he really is even more terrifying now than he was two weeks ago when we called him a terrifying villain. Think about it. Now, you have a character and a villain that now pretty much can give the answer to any question that you ask. Now he can answer all those questions that you're thinking. That's frightening <laughs> so to say the least yeah that's a really terrifying angle to take this character and just how well everything was set up is just crazy uh, i mean the the setup of this episode was so beautifully executed uh and we start off with such a great line too uh as barry and iris are opening wedding gifts and uh, it was her stating i was like you know uh, oh oliver and felicity got us a uh espresso machine you know that wasn't on our registry you know, um, and, you know, and hey, you know, it, what the hell? Why not do that? Why? You know, they got married on the same day as uh, I did, you know, <laughs> but it's OK because I'm not bitter. You know, <laughs> so. dude, I when I heard that line, I laughed because I, I said the same thing at the crossover. I was like, um, Oliver and, and Felicity totally stole Barry and Iris's thunder. And she makes the comment about it this week's episode. Mm -hmm. So even Iris was thinking that at the same time. So I was. 
that made me laugh about the fact that even even the characters are kind of thinking the same thing. Um, yeah, and I like that they put that so. in there too for the people that were not happy about that. It's it's a nice way to kind of reflect on that, and I think that was smart um, because again, you know, we're fine that you know Felicity and Oliver are married at this point. You know, we're we're cool with letting that go. Um, but again, the setup of it was weird, and I love the fact that they at least addressed it because it was a little odd. Um, so it was good them. Uh, but one of the other funny things before we get into the craziness of it all was uh, Mick Rory's wedding gift of the 40 toasters <laughs> because, quote unquote, there was a fire sale as they return all of them for store credit. And they're like, why would he buy 40? Oh, he stole them. Oh, he stole them. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I mean, even even in that opening scene when they're opening gifts, we we don't realize it until the end. But we've gotten the setup. Oh, that was already so beautiful when we saw it. Like it's missing a knife, and knowing already because I watched it a couple days late, and everybody's like, "Oh, trial of the Flash, trial of the Flash," and I'm like, "Oh, that other knife Devoe has, and they're going to use it to set up Barry for murder." And when it played out, I'm like, "Holy shit, they did." Um, yeah, but man, that was such a great setup. The very beginning of it all, and it's such a background. What the fuck, whatever. And I love how well that came back around. That was so brilliantly executed. And man, they are smart with their writing this year. Well, I want to bring that up for a second because I I want to I, I want to talk about something that I realized, and it, I I can't take credit for this. I did see this pop up on an Instagram post uh, on Instagram, uh, but I want to talk about the brilliance of the writers, not just this season. But since the beginning, because obviously we know from the way the episode ends, we're going to get the trial of Barry, um, you know, the trial of the Flash next season or when the season returns uh, because Barry's in jail. Uh, During Flashpoint, when Barry went or it might not be Flashpoint, it might have been season one, but there was a time period in, in one of the earlier seasons where Barry travels through time and we see all the different flashes of things that happen. Um, there were seven things that we saw. One of them was John Wesley Shipp as the original Flash, which was just a throwback. But there were six other things that we saw. We saw Joe um, taking possession of, uh, not taking possession, but taking um, guardianship of Barry. We saw the we saw Caitlin becoming Killer Frost before it ever happened. We saw the death of Nora Allen. We saw the Flash Museum. We saw the Legends of Tomorrow, and we saw Barry in jail. And also, we saw a Legion ring. So, oh, that's that's right. We did see that, but that's coming to fruition on Supergirl so far. Well, although we don't know, it could that still happen on the Flash mm-hmm. as well. Um, but with the exception of one thing, the Flash Museum, we have now seen five out of the six things happen. So this trial of Barry, uh, you know, Barry in jail, this was predicted back in season one. I mean, it's such a huge Flash story, so I'm so happy that they said, "Hey, look, this is a." Uh... This is coming, and they knew they wanted to do this story somewhere in the show's run. And they're doing a really good job doing those prediction angles, everything. And I think even people said during some of the babbling, there was some mentions of that. It's like, I didn't kill kill that person, uh, you know, when he comes out of the Speed Force in the beginning of the season. So the fact that all that stuff is coming together really nicely, I'm really, really happy that they are being so just ingenious about it. And this is one of these seasons... I'm so excited to watch from the beginning once everything wraps up because everything was there. Everything was set up from the start, and you can tell everything was set up from the start. So, yeah, I'm I'm more than hyped to watch this when the season wraps and go back from episode one and tear through it again. So, yeah. Me as well, because uh, I mean, it's like you said, everything. The writers, the brilliance of the writers for this show were 
um, they had all of this set up from the beginning. Like, they know exactly. And that's what makes me excited for the return of this season as well, is they know exactly where they're going and how they're getting there, and they've proven it just leading up to this midseason finale. Mm -hmm. So I'm well on board for whatever this show is going to throw at us the second half of the season when it returns yeah so uh let's so. get to the big thing so well actually before we did that let's get to Aminette black because she <clears throat> plays a very vital role in all this um being the person that's actually uh pretty much the bounty hunter to seal brainstorm uh which is dominic as we know um and now devoe <laughs> crazy to think um uh, but yeah. i gotta i gotta say again i even though it's not a a big huge thing to discuss here i love katie sackoff in this role she's so much fun and i love the fact because they needed with people not like you know, like uh wentworth miller not really going to be returning to the role of captain cold they need another villain that chews the scenery like abonet does and thankfully it's a good great placement and fits so well in the flash world and you know for the flash rogues that they're going to be dealing with going forward so I'm really happy that this character here has made a second appearance, and I'm really excited for when she returns because she is just a fun villain. So, yeah, I'm starting to realize too. The more I think about this, and the more we talk about it, especially this week in particular, that all four of these shows are actually really building up to have multiple villains. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see that now out of Supergirl, and that that's at least where we hope they're going with, you know, the Morgan Edge storyline and, and Inner Gang and Rain and, you know, where they're going with that. But, uh, you know, with Flash, we know the rogues are going to come back into play a little bit later on. We're already seeing the Thinker and the Blacksmith together. So we know that's something that's already forming. And again, see other rogues join. Some of them come back into it. We know it's not going to be all 12, but... We, we do know that some of them are going to come back into play a little bit later on. Uh, we've got Legends, who is kind of building up their own super team of villains, which we'll talk about a, a little bit. And then Arrow, of course, is building, bringing all of their villains together as well. So this is becoming a group effort for all of these shows. This yeah. yeah, and you know, it's it's kind of like Legends. is. I think they're doing the right thing. Is that They're continually building kind of like a new Legion of Doom every season. And if they continue with that, I think that's the right call for that show. Um, and ultimately, everybody else is very focused. I mean, but there are those background villains that are a part of the mix. So I think that works. You're yeah. right. It does work very well. And I think it's nice to see these things kind of be built upon. So, well, it works very well for some of yes. the shows. Yes. Um, I think, I mean, all of the first three, like with Flash and Supergirl and Legends, it's still a slow build. We know it's coming, but it hasn't happened yet. Whereas I think Arrow, we'll talk about it when we get to Arrow. Arrow kind of rushed it <clears throat> in it's already happened on their yeah. show. It's how the show ends out. So, um, again, I think Arrow was trying to was treating it like a race and they wanted to get to the finish line faster. And sometimes when you get to the finish line faster, doesn't always work out in your best interest. And Arrow kind of proved that mm. this week. Um, but yeah, I, with the Flash, I like the slow build. Now, my question to you is, and I'm wondering what your opinion is on this, the 12 minutes that the Thinker created, do we think that this was... Uh, we know that this was done by the Thinker. We know that this was all planned out by DeVoe. <clears throat> was this something that he had a plan for all 12 of these people, or were these 12 people created in hopes that one of them is one that he could uh, use. It was one that he was hoping he could use because he did state uh, he referred to Dominic as number six, um, you know, or experiment number six. 
And it was just kind of like, oh, thank God one of you was able to do what I need you to do. Because you just don't know. And I think that's – it's more than likely it was his calculations and statistics of what he thinks one of these people could become. Because um, all of it was, seems like it was set up so brilliantly. So I would be surprised if he was banking on luck. So I, I'm curious. I'm very so, curious to see how it will play out. So this was one of those situations where he – statistically figured out that if he created 12, there was a chance that one of them would be able to do what he yeah, wanted to do. Yeah, the probability at least was high. So, Okay. All right, I could, I could see that. That was what I was thinking about this, too. I just didn't know again. I mean, because we're starting to see that not all 12 of these people are, are evil. Um, obviously, we got Ralph out of the deal, and we've gotten a couple people who were kind of just like, eh. Um, you know, the guy that can cry. And his tears were, um, uh, remind me. It was kind of like a drug almost. That's right. But I mean, Dominic was one of the good ones and it wasn't until that little sequence after, you know, uh, DeVoe and Barry go through their chase throughout the city (laughs) on the very Metron like, uh, (laughs) the chair that he flies around in. (laughs) But like, it, it was very much the sequence after when you know Caitlin's and you know the rest of the team saved Dominic, so we knew he was one of the good ones at, for the time, and then which makes that uh, payoff at the end so much better. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, two more things I think worth mentioning for this episode. Obviously, we'll get to the big one at the end, but as is tradition with the Flash and their midseason finales, we get to go to the West Christmas party. Uh, uh, and it seems like that's how they yes, always. And I'm very disappointed. No, no discussion of uh, Ann Esther's eggnog this year. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah, so I love the fact that it's it's kind of like a Christmas tradition that anytime the show goes to, to break, they always end it at the West Christmas fe- uh, Christmas party uh, or holiday party at the West home. So I, I love the fact that we still got that. And as as always, tradition. Well, no, not always tradition. I don't think we've gotten a cliffhanger every season. I think sometimes it ends at the Christmas party, and that's I think last that. year it was a little bit more just relaxed. So, yeah, as in like everything's still good. We'll, we'll take a break, and we'll, we'll you know we'll kick it back when we come back. Uh, but of course, we get one of the funniest effing lines this I have ever heard from this show. And the funny thing is, too, I didn't know if I was just in a really good mood, and that's why I found it that funny. So I went back and I rewatched it. And I rewatched it, and I rewatched it, and I laughed my ass off every single time. And I was like, "Okay, I, I wasn't overthinking it. That was a funny ass line." And it wasn't just the line; it was the, oh, delivery. the delivery from Joe was so good. <laughs> the delivery of the line from Joe, and that's the thing that surprised a lot of people too. When I posted, I was like, "I'm like, the Flash had a line that floored me." Uh, you know, a lot of people, and I. Uh, people were trying to guess what it was, and I said, no, it's a line from Joe. And people were like, whoa, Joe, really? And then people saw it, and they were like, okay, yeah, that was really, really funny. Um, but the line, but with Cisco opening, that whole scene was funny. But that line by Joe at the end just kind of, I think it was the slow build to that line, and then that line being like the the final bit of that scene was just what really threw it over the edge. And it was Cisco opening the box that he thought was a breakup box. And it turns out it's really not a breakup box. Uh, it was his gift from Gypsy um, being very 
sexual the, and the, the holographic and... striptease that was about to begin. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. And Cisco asking Joe, can I take this, take that back to your house? Dude, I <laughs> floored. Absolutely floored. And you heard it again at the beginning of the podcast as it was the, the line of the week. Uh, for this one week. of the things we got to bring up though this week too, that I, you know, I got to bring up was another big character building moment for Ralph. Um, he continues to be a great new addition to the show. Uh, you know, I, I really wish we would have still had Tom Felton and him together because, man, that would have been great to watch them play off of each other, too. But uh, finding out that he has a very difficult time dealing with friendships, why he takes is overboard as he does, because he just doesn't have anybody in his life. Um, he has nothing to lose. We, we hear that from him, you know. Uh, so him being the one that's responsible really for making kind of Christmas kind of happen here uh, after he kind of feels yeah. like he's the he's the responsible party in getting Barry trapped and um, Caitlin uh, trapped as well in the situations they were in between Aminette and DeVoe. So um, yeah, it was, it was a nice big character building moment between not just for him, but between him and Cisco. So, yeah. And I have to go back to something else too, that we completely forgot to bring up is the fact that when DeVoe kidnaps Barry and keeps him in that chamber, um, we do see an instance in which Barry outthought the thinker, mm -hmm. uh, which was something we were kind of under the impression was couldn't happen. Uh, and we find out that Barry actually indeed do that. He tricked DeVoe into letting yep. him out. Vibrating so fast that and he couldn't be seen. That he couldn't be seen. Another new ability that we're seeing from The Flash, which I love the fact that we're still getting abilities outside of his scope other than just running really fast. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're still seeing that too. And it's making me really uh, fall for this character, you know, be an even bigger fan of the flash than so I So you're saying yet. what you want for Christmas is a not breakup box of Barry strip teasing for you. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> um, look, what I like outside of this podcast, it has nothing I, I, I to do with I have one of those boxes. I can paint it the right colors and put like a little picture up. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that would be brilliant if that actually, I, I, as a as a I, gag I, I gift, really, that would be great. Really want to make a a silver, get another one of those jewelry boxes and paint it silver, and just have cool swag on the inside for a listener. Like maybe next Christmas or something when I have more time. Yeah, man, how funny would that be? <laughs> that would be kind of cool. So we're sorry we're breaking up with you as a podcast. <laughs> You're no longer allowed to listen until next week. Um, but no, so obviously by the end of this episode, after the West holiday party, we get to lead into our cliffhanger for the season or for the midseason finale. And that is, as we have already mentioned, uh, Barry being framed for the murder of DeVoe. DeVoe still puts good use to his old body, uh, which I think is probably one of the last times we're going to see Neil Sandilands play uh, the role of DeVoe now that we know that his, his conscience has been transferred uh, to Dominic. So uh, we see the, the dead body of DeVoe uh, lying on the floor of Barry's apartment with a knife in his chest, the other knife missing from the wedding gift in the first mm -hmm. scene. Uh, actually, the so knife is not in his chest. Now... It's actually laying next to his body. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. It's it, Yeah, after having uh, been There's stabbed, an interesting thing I caught because uh, I knife. did go back after that episode and watched a little sequence, and there is a part of fight as well where I think we're going to see some additional evidence come up. When DeVoe and Barry are flying over the city, Barry is cut at one point in time during that fight. 
and as is DeVoe's actual skin. I guarantee you're going to see some blood traces taken from that and used as evidence against him, that DNA kind of sample, you know. So I think that's definitely going to happen. It will be indeed in the mix. So Interesting. I didn't pick up yeah, on that. It's, it's a very quick shot, but you definitely see Barry cut open at some point during that fight. So there is DNA now in there, too, that I, I would assume they're going to use. So, All right. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how Barry's going to beat this rap uh, when they come back. Mm-hmm. So, um, Moving on to Legends of Tomorrow Season 3, Episode 9, Bebo the God of War. <laughs> uh, the, the legends investigate an anachronism in a Viking settlement in the New World and realize the Norsemen are worshipping an artifact as their god. Um so many great moments from this, from Bebo to, um, uh, you know, to more moments with young Morton Stein coming back into the mix with Wentworth, Wentworth Miller and Dominic oh, Purcell. God. More interaction the puppet, between the two of them. The puppet was so good. <laughs> the Morton Stein puppet. I forgot oh. about that until you brought that up. Everything about that so, just had me in stitches. Oh, just the, the storylines between... Citizen Cold and Nick Rory and the Citizen Cold in general this week was just fucking amazing. And I'm sorry to curse on that, but I can't think of another thing that just comes to mind because, man, that puppet sequence just, oh, that was so good. It was so amazing. Yeah. The, it, it was great. Like, just Mick beating the puppet and just, I hate puppets. <laughs> like, it's, I, and not only that, but the whole interaction throughout the rest of the episode when Citizen Cold makes it a dry ship. <laughs> And Mick can't drink <laughs> again until the end. You know, it keeps opening beers because he thinks there's something wrong with him. And it's just Citizen Cold making it a dry ship. So uh, the I love the interactions between the two of them. It makes me wish that they could bring him back uh, and keep Wentworth around at the end of the season again. Because uh, it's going to be another sad moment when he leaves again. So, but we'll see what happens and, and, and how it happens when the moment finally comes because we don't i don't think we know yet how long he's sticking around no we don't my guess is um maybe we'll see him for another two episodes or so uh because we know the constant episodes were filmed a little while back and um wentworth miller's appearance um they were saying shortly after the constantine episodes wrapped up he was uh finishing up his final filming so but you never know he could have shot sequences because some these shows know what episodes are going to be down the road and knowing if they have a limited amount of time, but go shot stuff for it in advance. So it's a way. Yeah, very true. But I mean, there are a lot of great interactions this week. I mean, we saw, obviously we mentioned the citizen cold McRory interactions, uh, the Sarah Lance and Ava sharp stuff this week was great. Uh, and I'm starting to think this is going to be, we've talked about this before, but I think this could be a potentially new relationship for Sarah. Absolutely, because they did say going into season three that she would definitely have a new love interest before season's end. I think this episode definitely confirmed Ava Sharp will be that character. I think we can tell that back when we saw them fight for the first time, they're laying on the ground, take a break, like water break. Yeah. yeah. And then they're sitting <laughs> yeah. down just talking and shooting shit. And I think this is this is proof positive that, yes, this is exactly where it's going. So we can continue the trend of calling this show Sarah Lance bangs her way through the multiverse. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, it was bangs her way through time. But yeah, but now after the crossover last week, it's bangs her way through the multiverse. 
So, but yeah, it's I, I, I'm loving the interactions between her. Jess McCallan is a great addition to the show. While not a permanent addition, I do love it when Ava does make an appearance yeah. uh, on this show. And she's really coming around to the Legends being a team that actually gets stuff done as well. And her going outside of the rules this episode, which was very uncharacteristic for what we knew of her character so far. Yeah. Her, her saying, you know, F the protocol of the Time Hero and I'm helping the Legends out because it's the right thing to do. The question is, I'm wondering if maybe we I have a feeling we're going to see a lot more of her for the rest of the season. Um, but the big question is now we got a big answer on where Rip is. We did find out he has been imprisoned and the Time Hero is kind of falling apart without leadership. So i um, very curious to see how this is going to continue to play out, because I think that's going to be a very, very large role in what's to come. So. Yeah, and I'm very curious as to how he's going to come back into play because by the end of this episode, Ava knows that Malik actually does exist. Oh, Malice, and this, yeah. Malice, and this was something that Rip had been ranting on about, and one of the reasons why they imprisoned him was because he was gone outside of the rules of the Time Bureau because of Malice, and knowing that Malice existed, but nobody was listening to what he said, Ava Sharp now knows that Malice exists as well. Uh, not only that, but Sarah kind of has an up-close and personal interaction with him. Yeah, and or, that, that wonderful John Noble voice, too. Yeah. And I love I love his voice. It's so this gritty and iconic. and It, 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 it makes out. me want to go back and rewatch Fringe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I know. I only ever watched a couple episodes of that show, but he was a very interesting character in that mix. That was but a I, great show. But I do think one of the things we are definitely getting set up for before season's end, and hopefully while, uh, while we still have Wentworth in the mix, is um, I, I think we're going to see an Ava Sharp, Sarah Lance, Mick Rory, and maybe a Wentworth Miller prison break of uh, oh. Hunter. Oh. How can you, you have a prison break without Wentworth Miller and, I, and Dominic Purcell? I know, and I think I think we're going to see it. I do think that's going to be one of the final things we might see with Citizen Cold. So, okay, if I if I have to put money on it right now, that's my guess. All right, um, yeah. I mean, I know going forward when the when we come back from break. I mean, how great! I know again, this is jumping to the end um, because something else big really does happen in this episode, which really made me um, really made me a little sad about the way this episode ended. But uh, you know, we get a little bit more excitement right after that with interactions with Sarah Lance and John Constantine. So we're getting our Constantine episodes finally. We're getting our Constantine fix again when Legends comes back in freaking february yeah oh i've got theories on this one too well before we get into them, let's talk about obviously the the one other i mean i loved seeing damian dark back into the mix this week uh as a viking which fits so well for him uh we see courtney ford uh, you know his his daughter uh nora back into the mix as well and how great to see the team up of citizen cold and heat wave together oh, bringing her so down good. yeah that was so good to watch uh, I missed seeing those two together fighting, and it was uh, yeah, two weeks of it together back to back. It's awesome. Yeah, so. absolutely. Uh, but again, we do have one other thing that I was very curious about leading up to this, and I was kind of hoping this wasn't going to be the turnout. But we, in in I guess in due to the fact of the death of Martin Stein, uh, we are seeing Jax leave the Wave Rider. Uh, uh, and. They did it in such a beautiful Marty McFly way. They did. Um, and it was such a beautiful tribute to Back to the Future, the way that she loves to go back to. And I love the fact that they go go to this well because it's such a great well to pull from if you're going to do this kind of stuff. 
I love that letter of do not open until this date. Yeah. This is something that can save your life. Nothing would change until this moment in time. And it was just you just felt for him so, so incredibly bad. And that lovely moment between young Martin and Jack's back at his home. Uh, and it's kind of like, why didn't you open it? It was like I threw it in the fireplace. You know, I know what my fate was the moment that I saw you all. And he's like, yeah, if I get to save you, that means I did the right thing. And it was just this such, again, going back to that touching, wonderful note of that character. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, I've made no bones about this, too. When it comes to trilogies, Back to the Future is is mine. It's my holy trilogy over Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all them. Um, so I absolutely love the fact when they go to the Back to the Future well, as you mentioned. Uh, every reference to Back to the Future that we have gotten in this show, I've loved every single one of them. And this one in particular, because it built to that moment um, with Jackson, Youngstein leaving, uh, with Jack's leaving and the interactions with Youngstein. Youngstein, but the note, you know, was such a great callback to Back to the Future that I loved seeing that play out into this. And I love the fact that the response to that was him throwing it in the fire. Back to the Future, Doc opens the letter yeah. uh, and it saves his life. And I love the fact that, like, look, it was such a we knew that Stein we knew that Victor Garber was leaving the show, so we knew that he was, this letter wasn't going to do anything as far as returning the character of Martin Stein to the Wave Rider. So I love the fact that not only did he burn the letter, but as you said, um, you know, he knew his fate. Mm-hmm. And it was a very touching moment, even by the young Martin Stein, that as you had mentioned, um he knew he got to save everybody if that meant that they were there and he wasn't. Yeah. Um, so. And it was just that great thing. He's like, look, that means I lived to 67 years old. That means I have a ton of adventure still in my life. And yeah, it was, it again, it was such this beautifully earned moment um, and a beautiful final, final send off for not just Stein, but for Jax. Uh, it was the one thing, and the, we had made our predictions last week, what could come from him. And the one I didn't say was him leaving the show. Um, well, I, I don't think we made that prediction because that was what we didn't want to what, see happen. Exactly, and that's exactly what I was about to say. Is this? I, that's the one thing I didn't want to happen. I'm like, uh, give him this, give him a, a lantern ring of some sort. Do whatever you can to keep him on board because neither of us wanted to see Jax not part of that ship. So yeah, because he's become such a part of that group, even as even as the other half of Firestorm. So I'm assuming at this point, this means the Firestorm character is gone because we know the Matrix has been disabled. So we know Firestorm can't return, especially not with Jax and even more so without Victor Garber, without Stein. So not only have we seen Victor Garber leave the show, we've seen Firestorm being right now, and we're now we're seeing Jax leaving the Wave Rider. Um, we do know, I, I don't know if this was something you were going to bring up in news or not, but yeah. we know that um, that Franz is no longer a season regular uh, going forward. Doesn't mean we still can't see him make an appearance here and there throughout the rest of the season, but I think this is going to be a transition to him being off the show. And it's one of the things they've always told us, too, about Legends is that the rosters are going to change. Um, and I think it's weird when you see some of the original core members go away. Uh, because I mean, the right now there's still there's two primary or three primary characters they they just cannot get rid of regardless of what they do, and that's Sarah, it's Ray, and it's Mick. Uh, those are the ones I feel that can't be shifted out of the show. They are too integral to it. I feel um, that I would hate to see them transition out at all, um, especially Ray. Ray is such the guiding light of that team. <laughs> yeah, that his absence I think would be felt the most. If uh, if they wrote him out. But I mean, Jax had such a great story arc 
And I love that he even brought up. He's like, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. He <laughs> kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it was just he was brought on board that ship from Martin um, unwillingly, and it became his family. Uh, and, and that was such a you know beautiful little you know moment as they have their Christmas dinner together as they're all saying goodbye to Jax um, when he says goodbye. Uh, which brings us to the Constantine moment as you brought up. But there's something interesting that we didn't talk about yet. Um, Who's going to be the mechanic of the Wave Rider now that Jax is gone? Well, there's that, but <laughs> there is a statement made by John to Sarah uh, that makes me wonder if I know who the character is that they have to go and save. That there was now remind remind people of that statement because okay. I'm I know what you're talking about but I'm a little fuzzy on the exact wording of it. So John makes a statement. He's like he's like you know Miss Lance. He's like it's been a while. He's like you know um, he's like you know there is a girl that uh, is being possessed by a demon and she knows your name and he just says a young girl. Um, so this could be a kid, but my guess is it's probably something more around you know a, somebody in their late teens. Maybe by somebody by the name of a character we haven't seen in the Arrowverse for a long time. And I'm really hoping this is the reintroduction of Sin, who we haven't seen. Uh, who was, um, we, we saw her also play a major role in Scream TV series, if you watched that, which was phenomenal. If you love whodunits. Um, but I will say, uh, that's my current thought, because that was one of Sarah's best friends. We haven't seen her in a very, very long time in the Arrowverse. Uh, she was a big staple back in season one, season two. So maybe uh, this is the return of that, and she's the one that was possessed. So could be interesting. I see. I had a different thought pattern when it came to that. Um, is I think that this could almost be. Um, I think this could be Nora. Um, I, I think this could be a way that they're going to get to Nora, because uh, Nora is obviously has these abilities. Uh, Nora, Nora Dark is who I'm referencing. Uh, Nora has these abilities. I think she could potentially be possessed, or she could just be evil like her dad. So I don't know. It could be. It very well could be. Uh, the biggest question is we have seen most of these episodes, and they even brought it up again in this one, that they're revolving heavily around uh, people close to them or their younger selves or or something. So it's got to be something that's got to be a deep attachment more than likely to Sarah's character. Yeah, and now that you bring that up cuz I even brought that up last week is how they're they're referencing their younger selves and we haven't seen Sarah's yet. So I I'm I'm thinking more you could be right whoever this is, is has a connection to Sarah. Yeah. Cuz that's what John addresses her in particular. Right. So maybe that's the big part of it. It's a big wait and see, but man how awesome is it going to be to see two more episodes of Matt Ryan back to back with him being a very large proponent not flashbacks, but like being a very large proponent of the things that are to come. So I can't wait to see two things. I can't wait to see Matt's reaction to being on the Wave Rider. Uh, and I cannot wait to see interactions between John Constantine and Mick Roy. <laughs> I really can't wait to see those interactions. And we know Citizen Cold is going to play a part in those interactions as well because of Mick. So uh, I'm really looking forward to what these next two episodes are really going to bring to the table with John Constantine. Constantine has been a, a favorite, a fan favorite, not just of ours, but of many people. Uh, you know, people really wanting him back into this universe. And they're, the writers are doing their best to find their way to bring him in. And, you know, we got him in an episode of Arrow. Um, 
Obviously, the Constantine show didn't didn't work out, but now we're seeing him in two episodes of the Wave Rider, and I really hope that if go all goes well, we could potentially see him filling one of those empty seats in the season. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of a hope. I'm wondering if this is going to become a test bed to see if this works um, with his interactions with these characters, and maybe for next season. Because um, man, they they lost their big gun, so it's it's the question of what's next. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that leads us to the final show this week. <laughs> Arrow season six, episode nine, <laughs> titled Irreconcilable Differences. Uh, Black Siren and Caden James kidnap Quentin to get their hands on a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, so let's talk about the news in the world of DC. And, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, we have to talk guys, about I, it. It's a mid-season I, finale. I'm sorry, because it feels like now we're on an attack. Uh, and I... I really want to preface this up front. The attack is us because we have to review these critically. Um, and I, I, we have to do that that way because that's what we base this show upon. Um, and no different than if you've seen some of the other reviews out there, apparently our thoughts are not far off from a few other people. I think IGN gave us a 4.6 out of 10. Uh, well, not only that, but like IMDb gave all the other shows at least a nine, um, you know, and Arrow is on the lower end of that 10. So, I mean, it's even IMDb, IMG, uh, IGN and all these other ones, they kind of feel the same way we do. So this is nothing new. And, and like I said, to preface too, for folks, I don't read those reviews um, beforehand. I, 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 only I don't either see when I'm checking news stuff, uh, some things that maybe spoil an episode or two for me uh, ahead of time when I'm trying to keep track of stuff. I know we've been doing a very, very bad job of getting stuff on the Facebook page. Um, again, I, I think that'll <laughs> probably continue this week unless Ben is able to fill that. I've got a lot to do before Friday, so I do apologize. And and I had a lot to do before my Friday, so it was, so, uh, you know. I promise, our, uh, I promise we'll get back to it. <laughs> so. Yes, especially over the holiday. Yes, I mean, yes. uh, over the holidays, we'll, we will stay active on the Facebook page, so we, we apologize about that. And I think next week, I think we already decided what we're doing next week, but we'll talk about that Um uh later um but yeah let's break this down because uh we have to all right i want to start off with the wedding reception so half the show uh it was a good 10 minutes uh no lie it was uh it's about it was a quarter it felt like it was about a quarter of the show uh even if it wasn't it felt like it was um it kind of felt like being at a reception for a person you don't really know very well and you're like well uh, you keep checking your watch like is this gonna wrap up soon when is a good time for us to sneak out of here and not feel like assholes you know one of those moments um you know and i think it was nice that they got the chance to do some celebration of the thing but i was kind of expecting things to go wrong at there instead of oh we just have to be pulled away um which leads us oh oh so you mean like barry and iris's wedding yeah yeah (laughs) Um, yeah, Barry and Iris op- open gifts angrily <laughs> and get set so, up for murder. Uh, so not only do Oliver and Felicity steal Barry and Iris's thunder by getting married when they get married, but they actually get to have a reception. <laughs> no, nah, well, that's we're not bitter. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, but no, it's um, it just went on way too long and nothing happened. It was you, you saw drunkenly just torn up Curtis, uh, which kind of out of character but still kind of in character i don't know it was just he felt very inconsistent this episode a lot of characters felt very inconsistent in this episode if i'm going to be brutally honest uh very specifically uh renee and curtis which were very big parts of this 
Dinah the Drake, she's always been kind of an edgier character, so I'm not very surprised about it. I mean, and granted, yes, Wild Dog is too. But from what we've seen of what the things he's been willing to do for this team, the, the payout of what happened in this episode was like purely out of left field because it felt like they had no idea what to do. And man, did it show. It showed every yeah. crack in the armor from head to toe. And man, there was a lot of them. It, there was so many, and it feels like they're just recycling plot lines at this point in the show because they're just not sure what to do, and they're just throwing everything against the wall as they can to see what sticks, and it feels like nothing is. Well, not only that, but I mean, let's let's address yeah, what the no, actual absolutely. let's address what the actual plot of the, the 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 this episode was. Is that we find out that somebody has turned against Oliver to testify testify against him and and say that he was the Green Arrow, and the team doesn't know who it is. We know it's not one of the original members. We know th- th- through Quentin, which uh, let me go back to the wedding reception. I thought Quentin was the best part of that scene. Um, seeing the moment with Quentin and Oliver together where, uh, where Quentin gives him the watch yeah, that was and tells beautiful. him, I'll, I, I'll never have an opportunity to give this anyone basically saying my daughters are gone, which they are. Um, you know, so he kind of has a fatherly moment with Oliver, which I loved. I love any of the interactions with Paul Blackthorne, whether they be, um, you know, whether they be with Stephen Amell, whether they be with Rick Gonzalez uh, or whoever they're with. I, I love the interactions with, with Quentin. Uh, and Paul, I think he's such a great addition to this show and has been since the beginning. Um, and then, again, seeing him with Charlotte Ross, seeing him with Felicity's mother and the scenes we got out of that of how she hasn't seen him since he went away for, for drinking, for alcohol abuse. And she's seeing him sober for the first time. And it, it almost seems like there might be a little bit of a rekindling there. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, but also but, a little weird that Nutler was just, just chilling there and him and, and – <laughs> Felicity's mom yeah. were kind of like, yeah, everything's fine. No worries. I wasn't a super villain or anything and tried to destroy the world, you know, but hey, why don't you come? You know what? Barry and Iris had some really bad wedding guests, so we're going to do the same thing because that's what's in vogue this year. Oh, God, why? That made zero sense. Yes, they, they helped out. <laughs> he helped them out once, hacking a situation where instead of blowing up a couple cities, they only nuked one. Ah, uh, <laughs> rage. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I I agree with you on that too. So, um, but I mean, again, we see that uh, you know Quentin is the one that breaks the news to Oliver that not only is somebody testifying against him, but this is somebody who uh, is on his team, which means either Dinah, it's Curtis, or it's or it's Renee. Uh, and then we get more into the Dinah and Vigilante aspect, which, again, I know a lot of people who just aren't thrilled with the reveal of Vigilante and who he is. Like, you set it up to be this huge, awesome thing last season, and then you completely screwed the pooch uh, on Vigilante. Um, so, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing what this leads to, and I'm, I'm sorry for kind of rambling a little bit, but we see what this kind of leads to is, like you mentioned, it's a repeat of a story that we've already gotten in that Oliver doesn't trust anybody again. You can kind of understand why somebody is, t- somebody is testifying against him. So, yeah, he has every right to be. But, again, we're back to this, uh, I only trust you people, I don't trust anybody else, but, you know, we have to deal with it kind and of And they've aspects. been dealing with this stuff all season long. It's like, 
the trust angle has been a big part. Like, let's make sure we don't lie to people and all these other things. And let's just have these conversations openly. But it went back to that whole, like, Oliver, like, making these statements. And the rest of Team Arrow, like, well, sorry, OTA, being like, yeah, that's a good idea. Even John. Like, you guys just said not to do that. It came from John's mouth when he's talking to Dinah. He's like, no secrets anymore. None of this stuff. Two episodes later, boom. And I'm like, come on, guys. You can write better than this. And I'm just... It really, really, really left a bad taste in my mouth that that was the reason for this setup. It just made no sense at what they've been building up through all season long and what they built last season. No sense at all for the, the way that this played out with the whole surveillance on Dinah, Curtis and Wild Dog. I think I can kind of if I stretch my mind a little bit, I can kind of understand what they're setting up. I mean, obviously, we're seeing a dismantling of the team again by the end of this. We're seeing Renee is on his own because if they can't trust him, he can't trust them. Curtis is the same way. Dinah's the same way where, you know, because we do find out we haven't said this yet. But if you watch the episode, you already know the turncoat comes out to be Renee, who has legit reasons for doing what he did. He did handle it the wrong way. He should have gone to Oliver and the team when it came out that she was against him. He should have trusted the team and said that. He and Renee even says that in the episode that I, I, I should have, we were a team, I should have brought this to the team. But, you know, by the end of it, we see that, you know, Renee is on the outs. Curtis feels, Curtis and Dinah both feel that because Steve, um, Oliver and the, those guys were spying on them, they can't trust them. I'm kind of disappointed in Oliver and that's why they kind of go on their way. It's kind of the opposite dimension where or dynamic in that we see the team dismantled and they're no longer a team. But in the meantime, we're getting all these separate aspects of Kate James, Vigilante, Richard Dragon, uh, and who was the other one? Oh, and Black Canary all are now together on the same page. Uh, Black Siren. Uh, there was somebody. Or Black Siren. There was yeah. somebody else standing there though, too. Not. Not the other one. Like, uh, there was Anatoly in the mix. Anatoly was with them, yes. But there was another one standing next to Caden James. I was like, who is? who the hell is this dude? Was like, there? I thought there was only five. No, there was some guy with, like, kind of a longer face uh, and, like, sweeped back, like, blondish hair that wasn't vigilante. And I'm like, who is this random dude? Am I supposed to know who this is? And Are this, you sure? Yeah. No, there was definitely another guy standing next to Caden that I'm like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just an underling that was standing around that was like... Sorry, guys, I was uh, I was debugging our computer system, and uh, apparently you guys were having a meeting, and I'm just, uh, I guess I'll stand here and look awkwardly off to camera left. Sure. It just, it felt weird. I didn't know who he was or the importance of him. It was just, maybe he's somebody that was from earlier in the season. I just don't remember, but I, I don't know. I generally have zero idea. Um, but I want to get back to you real quick. There was uh, the Renee angle of it all. Oh, yeah, you're right. There's some just totally odd dude in a brown suede jacket just standing next to Kate and James. Yeah, okay, so you don't know who that is either. No. Okay, okay. I have, n I have no idea who that is. He's just some odd-looking dude. Yeah, okay, cool. It's not just me. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, through the whole Renee thing, uh, yes, he did have something to lose. But it was also, you know, the whole angle of, of everything – that seemed kind of odd, even for him to make that call, considering he would have never even have a potential of having Zoe back in his life if it wasn't for everybody in Team Arrow at all. So for him to do that was just it seems so incredibly out of character from what we know of his character and where he stands at this point and how much they've done to help him try to get his daughter back in his life. 
Um, so it was a little weird. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know how I felt about that. And especially doing the one of the team members, you know, is, you know, stabbing me in the back. We did this last season with Evelyn. Is yeah. it really necessary to repeat it one season later? Um, the trust angles with the team. Didn't we address this last season in the beginning of the season with the new team and deal with that for half of the season? Why are we doing this again? It, it's just it's recycled plot lines from a really good season because uh, it feels like they're trying to hold on to what season five was and they're just not succeeding. Um, it, it's it's the same angle, too. It, it's, it's the whole like reason for Caden James is like, my son's potentially dead because of Oliver. And Prometheus is because of his father was the angle. You know, this is all recycled plot lines from season five in an attempt to make a subpar Legion of Doom. Because even a couple of those characters don't feel right in that mix at all to be part of those villains, especially Anatoly. Especially- yeah, I thought, that, I thought that too. When we see Anatoly pop up, I, I even thought I was like, OK, why is this happening? Because he's always said he's like, you know what? you're still brought for to the end and we don't do that to each other, but you're not getting in my way of what I'm doing. This was like, I'm out to destroy Oliver now. And that's always been absolutely against everything Anatoly stood up for. So that's so incredibly out of character for him. Even with everything, when things fell apart, they were kind of like, Hey, the next time we meet, you know, we are enemies, but even still, even when they had their showdown this season, they made sure never to kill him. If they wanted to destroy him, they'll just kill him then. There's no reason for this random just reveal of, boom, Anatoly is just in the mix. And Vigilante didn't make any sense as well either. Why is he all of a sudden gunning after them? Because all he wants to do is just do the things that he does in the way he does it and potentially be back with Dinah. None of this made sense at all. The villagers, Richard Dragon, sure. But they're like trying to make it like he's this massive big bad and he was just kind of felt like a villain of the week. He didn't earn a place there. Same with the way that Caden James, like, he didn't seem like it was necessary. Uh, and he doesn't feel like a strong villain at all in the season. And I really hate to say it because I absolutely think Michael Emerson's such a great actor. And he is at least giving some gravity to this character. But unfortunately, there's nothing to really give gravity to. And I hate to say it, but we've done all of these plot lines and angles and story villains before so far in this series. And this is just a, unfortunately a really rough retread. Uh, with no motivations and no angles to it whatsoever, and left us kind of in a boring place, is the best way I can put it. Well, just like the villains that they're bringing together, they're bringing together all their recycled plot lines. Too. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> into one. Yeah, and it's it's not a good angle. I mean, it's fine for shows to go back to the well sometimes from the things they've done in the past. But, I mean, like, not seeing that, really... I mean, yes, Damian Dark is back for, like, the umpteenth time, but... It's okay because he's not the big bad. He's the underling of Malice, so that's fine, sure. He's he's in the mix in there somewhere, but he's got gravity and he's at least an enjoyable character. They haven't showed any, showed me any reason yet why Caden is a good villain at all in this season. Um, he feels like a retread of Calculator and a retread of what we saw with Helix and all these things. And yes, he was a part of Helix, so I, yes, I totally get that. But you've seen the evil hacker before we we have seen the drug dealer angle through villains of the week multiple times you know richard dragon's just another one you know the vigilante angle we've seen the the whole anatoly angle having these characters come together sure do it if you like but i i, there, I don't have any emotional investment in what we're doing 
No, I'm right there with you. I, I, I really don't either. Um, and I really can't. There's really nothing I can add to what you just said. I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Recycle plot lines, characters without emotional attachments. It's just, I mean, and I can almost kind of see that they even almost tried to start a redemption angle for Black Siren. They very much did. That that has begun. Uh, begun. We, we've seen her Achilles heel being Lance. Yeah. Um, and we know that. And you can definitely see that by the end of this, you can tell things are going to start to shift and change. Um, it's just a question of how, when, and is this going to be a long game thing? But you can definitely see, because he even says, and calls her, he, like, straight up Laurel. Like, not anything, like, nasty or evil Laurel or anything. Like, they reconnected like father and daughter by the end of that sequence really quickly. And not in a bad way. I think they handled it well. They had an emotional connection. It's kind of like, I'm going to let you live. You know, peace out, Cub Scout. So let's move on. Um and we're just going to go from there. Um, so you can definitely see that's a chink in the armor in the Caden James storyline. That's going to probably be something that's bring them down or be something used to bring them down. But it feels like they're showing their hand a little too early on some of that stuff. Um, but it also. Well, yeah, that's what I said, too. I said, I feel like it's almost like Arrow is treating all of this like a race with the other shows and they're in a rush to get to the finish line. Uh, but they're getting their way too fast. Yeah. And it's, it's just not developing the way that it should be developing because they're in too much of a rush. It's very much here's our here's our our uh, our, our motives, you know. Be excited, and I'm like, why? Because you just told me to be excited, and that's kind of how it felt. You know, it's uh, people jokingly. If you're a big gamer out there, uh, years ago there was a press press conference from Square Enix on PlayStation stage at an E3, and they said um, there's a lot to come for next year for this this these franchises. And then as the, you know, businessman from Square Enix from Japan bows, he says, he states, please be excited. But it was this so just kind of like lackluster, like, please like us again. And that's what <laughs> this felt like. And I, it, I, it's, I'm worried. <laughs> it's the best thing I can say. I'm, no, I'm, I'm very, I'm, very worried. I am, I am as well. I'm really worried for the, for where this, this should take us. I'm still hopeful that they can turn it around i always am but uh, you know I, I don't know my expectations are so on the ground like they are just getting kicked around with like cat fluff that's around my house and <laughs> you know random crumbs from people come visit uh that were missed in the last sweeping and that's where my expectations for arrow i don't think that they're gonna pull the season off and i'm getting very concerned that we're getting close to a season four again um, they're not far away from it in my mind. And I don't know if they can redeem themselves. I really don't. Um, and if they don't stick the season's landing, that means in my mind, they have three bad seasons and three good seasons. And that's not a good, it's not a good track. It's record. a very bad track record for a show. And that may mean that it's time to wrap up arrow and new show, bring some of these characters elsewhere that we really enjoy move arrow into another place start a you know a, a birds of prey show something that you can keep some of these characters alive move them around take curtis put them on the wave rider do whatever i think it's the, the running out of ideas they had a plan for this five se season arc that they played out this beautiful execution and i think they added a cliffhanger to a sh season that maybe didn't need a cliffhanger um only to drag it into what we're at now and i just don't think that was part of their plans and i don't think that they know what to do 
That's a good point. I didn't even really think about the fact that you you didn't really need a cliffhanger with that season five finale. Um, and you're absolutely right because I mean, even thinking about that cliffhanger to a degree, with the exception of uh, it killing off William's mother and uh, Diggle having uh, trouble with with his hands and and the shakes, what have we really gotten out of that? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, there, we we really didn't get nothing. anything that came out of that. It was it was a very minimal thing. It's basically Spartans benched for the time being, and Oliver now is a father. That's about yeah. it. That's really I hate to say it about it. And yeah, we really didn't get a lot out of that season out of that mid that 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 season finale cliffhanger. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunately felt like it was it was a way for them to say, hey, the season the next season will continue. Um, and yeah, I. I they had such high standards to live up to, and I know it was going to be difficult. And they just needed to at least come away and have a really fun season. Um, but right now, they're they're unfortunately trying too hard, and I think they're having a really hard time adjusting and course correcting with not having like flashback stories to tell and things of the like. This is a brand new style show this season from scratch. Uh, they have a lot of time to fill at times that they don't feel like they have stories to tell. Um, and not to say that these characters don't have a thousand stories you can tell. It just feels like the writers are getting stuck and don't know what the story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's to the point where, like, we knew as great as season five was, especially the way it ended. We knew it was a high bar to live up to, and we weren't expecting them to beat it. But as long as close, we would have still been pleased. And you're right; they're coming way below the bar. Of where they finished last There's season. not been many episodes this season at all that have gotten a legend. Uh, it's been very few and far between. Um, and a lot of them have been middling heroes, kind of the way that we viewed Supergirl last season. And it's... There's some occasional fun moments, but this episode, unfortunately, didn't have any. Uh, I, I really was just... I, I, I'm really disappointed in Arrow. It is, it is the best thing I can say right now. Yeah, I, no, I I agree with that. It's not that uh, I hate I'm, it. It's just like when a parent tells disappointed in you, and it kind of hits hurts you to your core. <laughs> that's kind of how I'm feeling right now, and I'm I'm really ha- uh, happy that we're going into a break, so I can kind of clear my head of the way I feel, and hopefully when it comes back from season break, I can kind of look at it from a new perspective. But right now, I'm really not enjoying the show. Cleanse the palate, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, and again, we have to preface this by like the same way we did last week, talking about Elicity with Oliver and the characters of Oliver and Felicity. Look, we love these characters. We love Oliver. We love Felicity, Renee, Dinah, you know, Black Siren, Quentin Lance, like all these characters. Um, we're just not liking the storylines. Yeah. The storylines are really lacking and really struggling right now. Yeah. And you know what? Like I said, every show can have a bad season, but like they already had to course correct after a rough season and they gave us something great uh and i hope that if they continue on next year that they take a lot of this stuff to heart and they find their footing it's kind of like supergirl supergirl had a rough start then they had to get shifted to a new network and they had to kind of refine themselves again with a new network and this season they're finally where they need to be um arrow is this is a clean slate for arrow this season they're they're completely changing the format of the show and maybe that's what it is it's maybe it's it's ring rust that they got to kind of shake off and figure out how to get back into the fight um and maybe next season they'll be back to where they need to be but I, i'm just not really hopeful that they're going to get to where they need to by year's end 
So or season yeah. end. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's um, let's wrap it up with these shows. Obviously, we can't tell you what we're going to see when these shows return because it's midseason. We're not going to see. Uh, for the most part, most of these shows aren't going to be returning until mid-January. One of them, not until February. Well, the promos are uh, out there for all these shows for their, their next episodes. So if you want to check them out, you can find them on YouTube or on the CW. So. Okay. I didn't know the promos were out there. Um, and I don't usually watch the promos anymore, they have, to be I don't honest. think they fully released the synopsis. They may have for one or two of them, but the promos are out there if you do want to check out what's coming. Okay. Uh, but yeah, a little bit of news as to the scheduling change that's going to be happening and an additional show we're going to be talking about when the shows return in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of excited about that. But that being said, let's jump over to the news and we can hear all about it. All right. So let's start with a little bit of Titan stuff. Um, so it sounds like aside from the great shot that we got to see of Robin last week, which apparently is um, making some people not too happy. Um, really? Yeah, people were saying with Dick Grayson, why does he have to wear pants? Why is it? Is why is it? This is the classic Robin. Um, oh God! Yeah, shut up! I'm like, come on, guys, it's fine. <laughs> um, in today's day and age, I think going with closer to the Tim Drake look was maybe the better call. So <laughs> leave it be. Uh, yeah. But anyway, with Titans, uh, the casting apparently may be looking for their very own Donna Troy, which I am incredibly excited about if they go this route. So uh, Donna Troy being one of the original Titans. Um, so this is a great call. So if they do bring this character in the mix, I think this would be wonderful. So the casting search apparently is uh, on its way, and they're trying to find somebody to fill Donna Troy's shoes. So I, I really, I really hope that if Titans is successful, which I really hope it is, because it's really everything we're hearing about it is being up to be a phenomenal setup. And I'm really hoping that this live action Titans works out well enough that maybe at some point we could see these universes cross a little bit and we could see some crossovers. Yeah. Um, Even if it's just like one character going to a show for one episode, th- that would be enough yeah, for me. I would be excited. So, uh, yeah. But let's get to the standard CW show uh, discussions. And there's one thing I have to bring up because it's a quick video. It's out there online. Uh, jump over to YouTube and search Ralph Dibney ruins Barry and Iris's honeymoon. It's a deleted <laughs> scene from the crossover. Uh, basically, they're kind of quote-unquote stretch scene that would have been the bookend of the whole whole thing. But in the deleted scene, which is quite wonderful, you see Ralph wandering around Star Labs by himself uh, with just food in hand as he walks up to the computer terminal. And he's like, this is awesome. I have a weekend to my 48 hours to myself. I'm going to sit down and binge watch Stranger Things. And he hits a button and sets off a level 11 alarm <laughs> on the Star Labs meta system which you see Barry and Iris race back into the building in very much Hawaiian gear. And you're like, what? There's nothing. He's like, no, I, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> and it's just like, you, it's like, uh, you know, you, you guys are, uh, why are you dressed the way you are? He's like, we were honeymoon. <laughs> so do you know how hard it is to run in flip flops? One of the best lines, <laughs> but so good. But just, Barry and Iris just angrily looking at Ralph as they run and walk away. Um, but just a great sequence. It's only about two minutes long, but if you get a second, definitely check it out. It is absolutely hysterical. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's talk about that shakeup on the time slots. So something kind of different uh, that they're doing. Normally, sometimes you see a show take maybe a little bit of a break. They squeeze it in. There's plenty of areas. But because CW has a lot of shows that start midseason, uh, Supergirl's kind of getting the shaft, it feels like. So Supergirl will return for a new episode on Monday, January 15th, but it'll only be back for a couple weeks 
And then um, a few weeks later, starting February 12th at 8 p.m., Legends of Tomorrow will take Supergirl's time slot and air nine weeks straight, back-to-back, no break, until its season finale, which will be April 9th. Supergirl will then return one week after that on April 16th, and then it'll continue to air weekly until it reaches its own season finale in mid-June. So all these other shows will be well-wrapped up come May. Um, So kind of interesting way that they are they are going about this but hey um this could be something to help maybe boost you know viewership for legends of tomorrow is a possibility maybe it's also something for them to be able to do some extra work that they need to do for super gold because maybe it has to do with uh, some of the things that happened with some of the recent shakeups uh with such with uh andrew uh, kreisberg no longer being part of that uh, that universe because he was a big hand in that show so that's very a very large possibility that could be the case um, or they just decided to, want to stretch out their seasons a little bit, but it does feel like it's a little bit of an odd call for Supergirl in this mix. Um, well, well, I think one of the things that I don't, I don't think you mentioned in this too is one of the big moves that's happening at the same time as Supergirl and Legends movie, Legends movie to the same day. This is happening for Legends because of Black Lightning debuting after the Flash. Right. Um, when the Flash returns in January, Black Lightning will be debuting following it. I think uh, from a production point of not from a production point of view but from a tv studio point of view you want to produce you want your newest show to premiere after your strongest rating show absolutely so um putting black lightning after the flash is the best possible decision you can make as far as when to debut that show and what show to follow it because with the flash getting the ratings that it gets i think it is the highest rated show out of all of them you have that lead in now going in the Black Lightning. You're going to get a good audience with Black Lightning. So I can understand moving Legends to another night. It's now the confusion of sw- swapping this Flash and or this uh, Supergirl Legends that comes. Yeah, and it makes you a little concerned on what's going to happen to the ratings for both Supergirl and Legends in this process. So hopefully this is does not bring a big negative um, to either of those shows, or doesn't affect um, the return of either of these shows. So. So wait and see. Um, but anyway, let's uh, move forward a little bit to discuss some legend stuff because there's a couple things obviously here. Obviously, we know Franz Drama is leaving the show uh, with Jefferson Jackson that made his departure during Bebo, the God of War. Um, but in this mix, they did state that unfortunately Franz Drama actually has left the CW show, um, and he could potentially still return as a guest star. But they said officially his contract is over. He is no longer a series regular or of tomorrow. Now we have two empty seats. Obviously, we are currently seeing Matt Ryan aboard as Constantine for a two episode arc, and we'll still be seeing um, you know uh, Citizen Cold in the mix for another episode or two uh, before his story wraps up as well. They did say officially as of late yesterday. I'll make this statement here for you guys. Uh, Arrowverse executive producer Mark Guggenheimen said that the Legends will soon be joined by a new character. When further pressed about who it was, all he says it is a previously established character from the Arrowverse. One character out of the running will be the Ray, played by Russell Tovey, who first appeared during Crisis on Earth X, as he's currently on ABC's Quantico. So Guggenheim said that the addition is a really cool one, and I just can't talk about the game plan yet. The CW publicity will determine when we get to unleash that bit of news. Currently, just so everybody is aware, it sounds like a lot of people are putting money on this is going to be Wally West joining Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Jay Garrick. 
Uh, <laughs> I want it to be Jake Eric. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if this is Wally West, because he has been sidelined in the flash. No, not at all. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense to move him there, because what is the one thing that Wally West does? Um, and what is his role outside of being Wally West, Kid Flash? Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, but he is a bit of a technical genius. Uh, he was coming up with designs on the things when we first met him. So this is somebody that could easily come in and take over as the mechanic of the Wave Rider. So this does make a lot of sense that this could be the case. So uh, I just and didn't I just ask who's the new mechanic on the Wave Rider? You did and uh, yeah, here we go. So I, I have <laughs> high high expectations because we did see him like learning about engineering uh, when we first met him. So uh, something I think we must forget about, but that is the what he was going to school for. So. Uh, so, yeah, my my bet is on Kid Flash joining the team, but we will wait and see. I'm sure we'll find out probably around January timeline. So uh, there is a new Villains debut trailer for Black Lightning out there on YouTube, too. So if you want to check that out, there is out there in the ether for you guys to consume with your little eyeballs. And uh, like I said, we're only a couple of weeks away from seeing uh, Jefferson Pierce suit up for the first I'm excited. time. I am, too. I really I'm really I'm am, too. Um, all right. Let's head over to the movie world because there was one big shakeup this week. So, but before we get to that, let's get to some of the small things. But apparently, one thing that a lot of people wanted to see in Justice League was Superman in his black suit. Uh, apparently, Zack Snyder's team has said there was a film sequence with the black costume. Uh, the black costume, though, as many people were thinking, would you know is how we would see Clark come back. But apparently, that the costume itself is just hanging up in the Kryptonian ma uh, Matrix uh, area in the uh, when they had go there to save him. So it's just something that's quite, uh, just a, that was cut and it's a little bit of out of scene, but you don't see him in the suit. So, uh, so it's very much a cutting room floor moment. Um, also, now a little bit more on Ben Affleck and his future in the DCEU. Apparently, in Flashpoint, we will see a cameo from Ben Affleck's Batman. That does not mean that uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is not in the mix. If anybody remember Flashpoint, one of the final moments we could see of Affleck's version of this character could very well be um, maybe something early on with uh, Barry, but it could be at the very end because at the end of Flashpoint, we do see Barry get a letter from Thomas Wayne's version of Batman that is handed off and given to Bruce Wayne, kind of saying that he was proud of him and the choices and things he's doing with his life. My guess is if we're going to get a cameo, that's going to be the cameo we're going to see him in the, that film. So, um, But they actually now the solo film will indeed, that is being filmed by Matt Reeves, will not include Ben Affleck. That has now been 100% confirmed. Now, did you happen to see the article I posted to the Facebook page as to who has put himself in I the did. ring to become the new Batman? Let me get to my next news story because that oh, is sorry. in the mix. <laughs> So Sorry. we have known that, uh, you know, right now, Joan Hall is right now the apparent front runner and the person that Matt Reeves wants. But there is another actor that is vying for the role and apparently very heavily. And that is none other but the person I want to see in this role more than anybody else. Oh, me especially too. Especially after Baby Driver is none other yep. than John Hamm. And I said the same thing, too. I said, you know what? I said, after seeing him in Baby Driver, I see uh, he was somebody that was originally up and being rumored Negan in The Walking Dead before Jeffrey Dean Morgan took the role. And I would have loved to have seen that, especially after seeing Baby Driver. He could have pulled it off. But now after having seen Baby Driver, I, he is the top of my list to become Batman. Absolutely. There's no question about it in my mind whatsoever. But they said this. 
According to Radar Online, the 46-year-old Man-Man star is said to be gunning hard for the role. Citing an unnamed source, the website reports that Ham has been carefully courting the Batman director, Matt Reeves, for several months. So this has been ongoing for quite some time. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the big question of what's going to happen here with everything. But they did say this, apparently. Matt thinks, uh, Matt Reeves thinks John is charming, was a big fan of Mad Men. So it seems like a great transition to him, the source told Radar Online. Jake Gyllenhaal has also been chasing the role, and Matt has definitely been considering him as well. But John is closer to Ben's age and look with a smoother replacement to fit into the plans already in place. So there is a lot of discussion. The big question a lot of people are having right now is John Hamm's age. because He's currently 46 years old. So the question is, if they, people, do people feel that he may be too old for the uh, the role at this point in time? But I am personally... No. the. Uh, he he does not age. John Hamm still looks like he's in his mid thirties all the time. So yeah, I, I think that this is the right the right move, and I really hope Matt Reeves goes in this direction. Uh, Dude, I'm telling you, I I had an issue with them putting Jake Gyllenhaal in the role because I felt like it was a, it was a different dynamic between the two, and you needed to do something of Hamm, more of a passing off the torch than anything else. But if you cast John Hamm as Batman, I totally take back what I said. You could very easily just replace the actor and get away well, with it. Well, I actually thought the way that you can do this, too, if they did state that Ben Affleck is in Flashpoint, the best way you do this, and I think if Flashpoint is one of the next movies that's going to get filmed, um, the right call is you see Ben Affleck in the beginning as Batman, Flashpoint happens, and when Barry gets back from Flashpoint and the world has lately changed, because that did indeed happen, that's what gave us the new 52. Mm-hmm. And he gets to the Batcave and he makes a reaction and sees who is sitting behind the Batcomputer, and it's John Hamm. As Batman, the world changed enough and people can sometimes change a bit. So why not do it up? If you want to do it, I'm all for that's it. how you transition this role. Flashpoint is the perfect way to transition this character's role. Um, I think that's the best way to pass that torch. If you're going to make a change this drastic and this uh, unsubtly, um, that's how you do it. And I really hope that they yep. they take that to thought. And I hope Jeff Johns is the person that helps bring that to thought and light. Speaking of which, let's get to the final two big stories. We'll start with the small one and then work into the big one. Warner Brothers is very – actually, this is more or less kind of one story, to be honest. Warner Brothers was very, 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 very unhappy with the reception of Justice League, especially with how much money it has been pulling in. The movie is falling off very, very fast, uh, and I think it's been stuck in a second-slash-third-place role for weeks now. Um, but the head of Warner Brothers has decided one very big key factor in all of this. Moving forward, aside from two executive producer roles in both Wonder Woman 2 and Aquaman, Zack Snyder will have no further involvement in the DC film universe, which is the smartest thing they can do. Um, if if I had a if I had an applause sound effect, did where I'd be playing? Yes. So <laughs> they did state um, that is going to be the end of him. There are no plans to bring him back for any further points uh, or any kind of additional production deals with the studios. Um, but they, did, they didn't say there is no possible future for them to look at down the road. But they said going forward, the thought process is right now Snyder will have zero involvement uh, in anything at this time. His next project, as we know, is the last photograph. All right. Moving into the final parts of that continue into this. Not only was Zack Snyder's involvement in the future of the DC films absolutely bookended at this point. 
somebody else's role in this as well is now going bye-bye. That is none other than producer John Berg, who was appointed last year along DC Entertainment's Jeff Johns to supervise the slate of DC films and properties moving forward. At this point in time, John Berg will step aside and instead work as a producer partner on, uh, with Roy Lee from the Lego films. Um, Jeff Johns is going to remain DC's chief creative officer, reporting to DC Entertainment president Diane Nielsen only. The website contends that his contributions to the film may indeed involve, uh, evolve and become more advisory in nature. So it sounds like Jeff Johns is going to have a heavy hand in what is done and what is said, how these films are executed. This is something we've been saying for years now. Jeff Johns, if you allow him to work on projects closely and carefully without this you know, sort of Damocles of Warner Brothers hanging above him and to make the right choices, things will get better. Um, it's nice to see that they're starting to realize their idio uh, idiocracy in all of what they have done so far exception of wonder woman and i think me and ben both agree justice league it's been a very rough start for the dceu yes yes it has uh and it's a shame that justice league got such a hit against it because i think a lot of it has to do with the critics not the audience um so they were definitely on to something it's just the question of how they continue to evolve and i think wonder woman 2 definitely help make sure everything stays alive and hopefully Aquaman will be uh, a, a strong film as well. We did see some new shots of Jason Momoa this past week as well. And we did hear officially from James Wan and from Jason Momoa saying that the Aquaman that we saw in Justice League versus the Aquaman that we saw in Aquaman will be very different. Um, they said this is very much a traditional quest film. So they said if you love those old style films from like the 70s, 80s and 90s, that is the heart of Aquaman. He said, do expect him to continue to be a badass and a fun character. But they did say we are going to see a very in-depth version of the character and not more of a character that we saw in Justice League. So that wraps, wraps up the news for this week. Oh, actually, no, wait, I take that back. There is one other small, small <laughs> thing. Early, early January, we did get official confirmation that the Atom will indeed be joining the roster as the next character for Injustice 2. So they said we will not have to wait long at all. Hellboy obviously came out about two weeks back, but it sounds like in about another two weeks, we will have the Atom already in the mix. So, uh, I'm glad you wrapped up the news with a story about the, the Injustice video game, because that leads us into next week, uh, as we are going to try our best. I can't make any guarantees, but we're still we're two chapters behind uh, in the Batman Telltale Enemy Within game, so... You've got a lot going on with your surgery this week. Um, I'm still recovering from mine, but we don't have any shows to watch. So do still have a little bit of time. We're going to try our best to play through the week so that we can review them next week. If not, um, it might be two weeks out. I'm, I'm sure sometime in the next two episodes, we're going to review those two episodes, those two installments of Enemy Within. Uh, next week, I'm sure. Oh, man, I don't know if we should or not, but I'm sure we're going to rant about Star Wars. Because we're going to see it on Thursday. So... Uh, which brings a special thing up. So uh, just uh, for Caffeine Crew, this is normally just a plug that we throw in the end. Uh, we are doing a Star Wars episode one night. That is our lead up. Uh, so we will have some thoughts and discussions pre-Last Jedi. But I think we're going to be doing something special. And that is, we're not sure where it's going to release. It might release through multiple channels on next level and made us release on caffeine crew. We will have a star Wars spoiler cast that will probably be done via Skype 
through a couple of people throughout the network, a couple of people from Caffeine Crew, and we'll all probably dive in together and uh, do that. So um, probably a couple days after the film, maybe like a Monday or Tuesday after, give people a couple days, but that will be a full-blown spoiler cast. So I'm very excited to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that you, that you guys are doing that as well. So, yeah, unfortunately, I won't be part of the Star Wars podcast tomorrow uh, since I'll still be recovering. But uh, hopefully the spoiler cast I'll be a part of since I'll be going with you guys to see it on Indeed. Thursday. I'm excited. Maybe we'll do a quick little video outside of the theater after it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we usually do for everything else. Um, that being said, one new addition that we're going to be adding to the net, to not to the network, but uh, to DC Primetime. Uh, Rob and I talked about this earlier this week. Um there's two things we want to bring up leading into the holidays and the break of everything. Um, we're going to incorporate a new way for you guys to interact with us, and that is we're going to be creating a DC primetime voicemail, uh, which gives you the opportunity to call in uh, to us and leave us a voicemail on your thoughts of anything we might have said over the course of the recording or your thoughts about a particular moment that happened in the episode. Uh, and depending on how many voicemails we get each week and how much time we have on the podcast, we'll pull a couple of those and we'll play them in the podcast. You guys will get your voice heard uh, throughout. So probably by next week we'll have that number set up and we'll start posting it and let you guys be able to call us and leave us voicemails, which I'm kind of about. I think it's a cool new aspect. And something to that everything. we can that's going on. But the great thing is, too, that can continue to evolve, or maybe we'll, we do a couple contests that are based on those voicemail lines where it's like, what is the best moment of the Arrowverse thus far uh, from all the seasons and everything incorporated, and whoever gives us the best story or retelling of it or something could be a prize, yeah. but we'll find ways to make that interesting, and it's just a nice way for us to be able to hear your guys' voices. So, uh, really looking forward to doing that, and I want you guys to tell us how wrong we are about opinions at times. Please, please, <laughs> please, please. Uh, we don't view this as a hate mail thing. We are a happy little community, and we want this to grow and be a place where everybody's just are not just me and Ben. So. Yes. Uh, and the only other thing I want to bring up before we do the cheap plugs and get out of here, too, is uh, Rob and I had talked about this as well. Uh, we are going to do an end-of-the-year contest. Uh, and the prize is really kind of and awesome. Holy uh, crap! Is it worth every penny? It, it it is. It's if you you guys talk about Brian Roll and our friend uh, our friend Brian Roll, who's an artist for Odyssey Art, uh, and we've showed you on the videos that we've done before and talked about it before. He has this Torchlight Society, which is a year long subscription based thing where four times a year, quarterly installments, you get a package sent to you, and it is filled with nothing but awesome and exclusive artwork by Brian. Uh, we've given away these. I've subscribed to it all through 2017. I'm going to be renewing it through 2018. Uh, and as a year-end contest, we're going to give a year subscription away to a lucky listener. Now, there are contingencies to this contest, which we still have to to work out. Um, but it's going to be very easy for you guys to be able to participate in this. You don't have to have a particular gaming console or anything like that like we've done in the past. Uh, all this will involve is you sharing and liking and just doing a bunch of stuff on social media to help us. And in return, we help one of you by giving you guys this yearly subscription. So uh, hopefully by next week, we'll have more details. On right. Well. I think to give you guys a quick idea and heads up of what we're thinking at this point in time, you obviously need to like and subscribe to the podcast through whether it's iTunes, Google Play, as long as you're, as you're a subscriber. Uh, as long as you like our page and share our page. I think the other things, too, I think we mentioned you have to make sure you like Brian Roll's page as well because we want to drive some things to him for people to check out. But I think also we were talking about 
we need reviews on this podcast to make sure that people know we are around. So I think yeah. we we're also saying we need reviews from you guys. We really need that help. It helps make the show continue. Um, you know, obviously me and Ben will always do this because we love doing it together, but um, that will really help us. We want to bring more and build this community. That is such a key part. But I want to re- tell you guys, though, too, Brian's subscription is not a cheap one. Uh, no, <laughs> and he's not giving it to no. us either. He, we are paying for this out of pocket, and it's not because Brian's not willing to give us one. It's just that Brian is such a griffin, and he has already done so much for us that we want to pay him back and pay for this subscription to support him. So this is this is not this a, is over a hundred dollars. So this is well worth it, guys. So uh, definitely think about this. We will probably bring this up at the very beginning of next week's episode with full yeah. details. So. Make sure you are ready and make sure you get into this. And we did say this is going to also be, I think, contingent to make sure multiple people get this, not just two or three. We want people to be involved in this one. So, yeah, it's not that we don't mind putting up the money to do this because we absolutely love the idea of doing this. But we don't want to and I don't mean this to come across as if we're selfish or if we're cheap or anything like that, because, again, we're putting up the money for this. I don't want this contest to be for just five people. Uh, you know, we need multiple people to be entered in this contest for this contest to happen. So once we uh, talk about the details and we'll talk about it beginning of next week's podcast and we'll post about it on the Facebook page too. Uh, once the details are out there, share it, spread the word, get people to enter this contest so that you have a chance of actually winning. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure we'll let, talk to Brian a little bit about this too. And I'm sure he'll be sharing this out as well. So the bigger we make this, the better it gets. So absolutely mm. uh that being said let's wrap things up let's see plugs at, do you have any recommendations for this week watch arrow no, no don't watch arrow that's not a recommendation <laughs> no 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 if you like arrow <laughs> watch arrow um yeah and again write to us and tell us why our review was what it was uh if you can find some things that we didn't see in it that actually make it really awesome i will happily go back and rewatch it and if i my opinion changes i will totally discuss it next week uh, absolutely um i may be very heavily under the influence of something at the time but we'll <laughs> uh, well actually oh yeah you know we actually before we actually move into our our final thoughts here uh next week i can't guarantee we will be um recording on sunday um again you know my surgery is fairly involved and i do not know <laughs> how i'm gonna be doing um they yeah. did tell me i'm going to have a very very difficult first week so um i i really cannot state when anything will happen we're going to try to come up with a contingency plan uh we'll reach out a couple people as a just in case if push comes to shove i mean i should be getting the audio of that push to get the audio of my panels from secaucus and atlanta this week uh so that i have them for next week so that if by any reason you can't do it i could always hop on uh and introduce audio from one of the panels and we'll go that route but one way or another we will still have a show next week we just don't know what capacity it's going to be just yet uh, but we'll still bring you something. We always do. Oh, uh, actually, I do have a recommendation. Actually, come to think of it. All right. My recommendation is for the listeners out there to just be heard real quick on Facebook. Uh, we want to see names real quick of the people that will listen to the show because me and Ben are doing Christmas shopping for you guys. So, yeah, and we have to do it relatively soon so that we make sure like, we get it in time. Like this week. So uh, please make your voice heard on the Facebook page. Even if it's a quick hi, like a comment or two. We will be looking at who comments or likes comments the most. Obviously, we know one person or two people well already. We got a couple uh, people on the list already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Santa's list has is, is got a name, a couple names, you know, jotted down. So, um, but 
uh, yeah, make sure you do that so we can pick who we're doing some shopping for this week. So that is my only recommendation. So. All right. Uh, cheap plugs, because i got to make some lunch. I'm hungry. Um, I do, too. <laughs> uh, cheap plugs. You can catch me on the Showcast Spot on the Next Level Podcast Network. NextLevelRadioOnline.com is where you can find all of the podcasts on the Podcast Network, including this one um, and a, a bunch of other ones as well. Just go to the website and find them. Facebook.com slash NextLevelRadioOnline as well. And you can always find me at the Captain Crew Cast of Pods through the next level as well. I promise, and I do mean promise, that podcast episode will be up by Wednesday night, no later. I will get that done. I will have that edited and in Ben's hands no later than the end of Tuesday nights to get that up. Uh, I highly hope that you guys give an opportunity to check out that episode before you get to watch The Last Jedi, because we are just going to geek about why we love Star Wars oh so much and maybe give some predictions of what we hope The Last Jedi will indeed be or include. Um, early reviews are out there via Twitter. I have heard officially, if you are a Star Wars nut, avoid social media at all starting Monday. So the day that you're listening to this episode. So be very, very careful. I heard that it is a spoilery ass film. So, um, uh, but yeah. I will say too, I'm I'm jumping backwards because I haven't. I this I'm just noticing this now. If you are a fan of the book, um, there is a new trailer for Ready Player One that was just posted online. So I will be watching it the moment okay, we are done recording. Up. All right, we're, we're gonna do this together so we can watch it together. I'm yes, gonna, you, 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 and then we'll we'll do a countdown and start together. Absolutely. Uh, oh. Yeah, because I did hear that it was getting attached to Star Wars, so I'm not surprised. And I'm seeing it uh, online, so I'm excited. Uh, 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 but uh, that being right. said, that being said, we appreciate you guys uh, being a part of the community as we always do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for for subscribing. And until next week, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.